What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 376. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And as always, I'm here with John. Ron. Perfect, uh, guys. You guys, it's yeah. so well. So good. I was thinking um, about what you said a few weeks ago, Steve, that you 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 were you were waiting for me to finally jump in and, and yeah. change the paradigm. And I did yeah. it. I did it. I did it. I'm so proud of you. I knew you would do it. And it's just right. like delivered. Sh- sh- boom. I should have said John is. and and then when he said Ron, it would have it would have been just perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, this week's episode, uh, we got a couple things lined up. We've got the Ronald's pick for required viewing, which was 1981's Dragon Slayer. Hopefully uh, you watched along with us on that one. Um, You know, the required viewing is recommended more so for you guys. Uh, It's required for us, but it's nice if you watch with us. Yes. Um, But we'll talk about that in a moment. And then I think you two watched Evil Evil Dead Rise. John, you saw it in theaters, I think. And then Ronald, we finally got the opportunity with the video on demand option uh, coming out earlier this week. So you checked it out. So you guys are going to talk a little bit about that. And then... I guess we'll mention some other things that we've watched over the last week. Uh, before we get into required viewing, was there any uh, big news items you wanted to mention? Any Anything between uh, today and, and the last time we recorded that you just couldn't wait to talk about on the pod? I don't know about couldn't wait, but I, do, I did read the article today. And it doesn't about- qualify, John. Okay. How about? Um, <laughs> okay, I'm, I, I, I'm, I take that back. I couldn't wait to talk I, about this with you. That, that I can't wait to hear it. Lay it on me, buddy. Um, but you know what happened once I read this is that then I, I, I waited. So I guess I could wait, but I didn't want to wait. There we go. Yeah, you preferred um, not to. Yeah. Okay. Only because this seemed like the kind of news that we discuss on the show, and uh, I mentioned it before we started recording. But the idea of uh, Disney Plus and Hulu is it? that are yeah, going to be yeah. one entity uh, by the end of the year. Did I read that right? Yeah. So the day today we record this on Wednesday, they had their earnings call. Um, Disney did. And um, Bob Iger made a comment or basically saying that by the end of the year, Hulu would be a part of Disney plus. And mainly Ooh. because I think eventually, you know, with the um, kind of trend more recently in, in the ad tier options for a lot of these streaming services, I think that you know they'll be able to leverage. Or at least that's kind of what he was kind of highlighting, was the ability to really leverage uh, advertising more uh, if mm. those were one in the same. Since you know they have a majority share of Hulu, um, and yeah, I mean it just seems like it's kind of a trend, another trend, which is just the idea of like kind of consolidating some of these applications, these, these platforms that. Uh, are a bit fragmented you know some are not going to survive we've talked about that many times on the show but uh this is an opportunity you know just like warner discovery is doing with you know hbo max and discovery plus becoming you know max um it seems that they're going to do the same thing you know over on the disney side of things with uh hulu becoming a part of disney plus yeah i guess by the year's end is kind of the interesting piece because there's been a lot of questions about whether disney would even uh, hold on to Hulu, uh, especially with Iger coming back in to the mix. Um, but it seems like maybe they will, or maybe it's becoming more of a leverage uh, or a piece of leverage for them to be able to kind of have more advertising um, opportunities in, <clears throat> inside of Disney Plus. But uh, yeah, that was it was probably one of the more interesting things on the earnings call today. As a Disney shareholder, I was privy to that call, so I was able to hear that. And uh cool. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of big bullet points, but that was probably one of the bigger ones that got picked up. Well, Steve, and, the uh, other one that yeah. I wanted to mention that's in the same breath as that, though, is that they've also s- sort of made it clear that they're going to start removing exclusive content from the service. Right. Um, that seems like another thing these services like to do. I thought the whole premise of these streaming services was that, oh, if you like the Warner Brothers IP, you like their content. I mean, I'm using their words. <laughs> you like their IP, you like their content, you like their franchises. Um you know, come here and here's where the library will be, you know, Disney too. And here's where the library is going to live. It's a little strange to me that they're taking things away. I mean, I get the idea if something's just kind of sitting there and maybe it's not doing a lot for them, but another part of me thinks, aren't we just kind of ending up with cable again? Like a, a, a possibly more expensive version of cable. Um, if you're really going to hold on to all the content you've been enjoying. And to me, that just seems like a weird, it's just a weird landscape now. I mean, everything you just said, Places that are consolidating, places that are, uh, you know, uh, going away, perhaps, um, 
you know, price models that are changing and might even like we're talking about ads again. I don't know. I just think there's an sure. interesting, I mean, there's no guarantee that anything's ever going to stay any industry entertainment wise is going to stay the same, like music, you know, how you receive your music. Well, if you're a music fan, that's changed a lot in the last 20, 30 years. If, if you're a TV fan, that's changed a lot too. I just am thinking it's interesting that we're now entering into this sort of like all the stuff that seemed to be the advantage of the streaming services is now becoming, it's being rolled back a little bit. I'm not saying that the the stuff they're making isn't just as good and that maybe it's not working financially as a shareholder. I'm sure you might have a slightly different opinion than you do as a viewer sometimes. Right. Um, but like, I don't know. I mean, does it seem like we're just in a huge state of flux in every aspect of the movie and television industry right now. I mean, we even have a writer strike going on right now. That's going to send ripples through uh, what's being made probably for the next little while. So um, it just, if it feels like the, the streamers and the studios and everybody's kind of scrambling right now to figure out what's the new, what's the new way we can make our money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <clears throat> definitely. I, I think the acquisition, I mean, the, the, the merging of the two is a couple of things that I guess that, the average consumer doesn't think about is technology. Hulu's been around for a while too. Um, their video quality is noticeably better. <laughs> Just it it streams pretty fast. It it buffers pretty fast. It's um, you know, so it, it could be also information. Probably the technology. best app, and unless I'm not thinking of one, I feel like the Hulu app is the oh, most is the most appealing to, yeah. to work with. Absolutely. Um in yeah, think especially <laughs> just in terms of just looks of the video, like whatever encoding they're using, yeah. um, you know, it's it's incredible. So, like, I would love to see how that folds into Disney stuff. And, you know, they could get some of that content. They do have some Marvel content there, uh, Modoc and a couple others, which is pretty cool. But yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting. You're right. What do you there. think about them taking stuff away, Ronald? I mean, like it's terrible. I mean, yeah. what what is the incentive? Like, I, I you need to incentivize. Okay, so I was going to say something about the money thing. You're absolutely right. There is. I think there was a time where people thought that like this would be like a super duper discount on their content, but I think about it a very different way. I'm watching things that I pay for that I want to see, versus just spending. $150, $120 to $150 on a bunch of channels that I will not watch. I always watch Hulu. I always watch, well, I don't always watch Netflix, but I always watch Hulu. I watch Netflix. Aaron watches Netflix and I consume a ton of uh, YouTube TV stuff. You know what, Ronald? I always, I always watch Hulu and I always look at Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. I don't always end up watching something. You know, I, always, I always try to find something on Netflix. Isn't it funny um, that it's like the old, it's like the, it's like the boomer uh, streaming yeah, service. It's turned, into, it's turned <laughs> into that kind of thing. But they have good stuff. They have No, good they stuff. do. I'm not talking yeah. about the content. I'm just talking about the, the status yeah. of Netflix as a brand sure. is a, is an interesting, you know, they've been around the longest kind of in this part of the game. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Steve? What do you think about the, the, uh, the folding yeah. of the two? Save, well, save mean, us some money, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think they're trying to beef up one platform, you know, like yeah, they're, they're like, for sure, you know, pulling content or the exclusive content, like John had mentioned, like that's, you know, I feel like, you know, that's more uh, based around things that maybe aren't necessarily driving subscriber growth, mm. but is more just uh, things that they can leverage or, you know, license or sell off to other platforms, even that are looking for more content or, you know, have it have it stream exclusively somewhere else whatever that case may be like you know not not in the same respect but like kind of becoming an arms dealer type of a platform like sony does where they just pump out stuff and they sell it to whoever wants to buy it you know because yeah. they don't have a platform but you know a disney and warner discovery you know kind of taking that 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 um that action where they're saying you know it's not going to be exclusively on here or it's not going to be on here at all it's going to be over there you know it's 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 not surprising because I think, you know, when you look at, um, you know, just the, the two points that we're discussing, which is that you're going to take all the Hulu stuff and put it inside of Disney Plus. Yeah. So you want the best of both or the things that you think as a business or as a platform is going to drive subscriber growth. And, uh, you know, because that's what matters now is the subscriber growth, you know, and 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 making money and profits like, you know, the, the bubble has kind of bust bursted already. You know, the, the great Netflix downfall last year is kind of what changed everything. And, and you know, if you're not driving subscriber growth and making money, 
you know, they have, they're trying to, they're, they're, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's what they're doing is they're trying yeah. to figure out ways to accomplish that, which is folding things in together. Yeah. What's the best of everything that we have? Let's put it in one thing. And the things that we don't see as driving subscriber growth, but is, but is content or, you know, uh, products that we still, you know, have ownership over, you know, finding a new home for it to make more, to make money on it. I mean, that's literally what, Warner Discovery is doing like they're they're taking all these things off of HBO and getting all this flack for it and 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 ju justly so because it is kind of like your mission statement has kind of changed but the yeah. whole the whole industry has changed so I think it's all fluid and I think you know the ones that are going to survive are going to have to do some variation of this which is consolidate power up and sell off what is you know not making money or not driving subscriber growth and the ones that don't do that are the ones that are probably going to be gone within a year or two. Yeah. You know, sure. like some of the smaller ones that we've talked about that we may like, you know, but just don't seem to be really growing or making money, you know? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what, what each does and, and they've all kind of gone out of their comfort and, and changed their, changed their tune. You know, Netflix has yeah. an ad tier now, you know, so nothing, Nothing gold can stay, and then they're just changing everything in any way they can to be as viable and as successful as they can. Yeah, 100%. well, ad tiers and uh, weekly models. You know, Netflix is you know yeah. if, even if it hasn't happened fully yet, the conversation is definitely on about like what's the best way for people to receive certain yeah, types yeah. of entertainment. And, and even and the, even the even the binging shows that will still want to be bingey, they're breaking the season up into two chunks or three two chunks parts, or whatever yeah. whatever they can do to make it make it have more you know more of a. It, well, staying power in people's it's minds. Very interesting. Netflix stuff in the states isn't weekly, and it's weekly every other place. Like I've, at, you know, when you travel a little bit, you see that they're they're weekly shows, even if they're ones that like air on TV. That they they they've been doing weekly. It's it's like a, almost like a pilot that they've been running for like five years <laughs> in other places, but now it's becoming like a states thing. And I think that people haven't been in a, a, as big of an uproar as you think like you know people are like i can't i can i can only binge it that's the only way i can watch it and then some things are weekly and people are perfectly okay with it <laughs> you know right. what i mean so that's cool yeah we'll see yeah um anything else before we move over to the required viewing anything else john that was no that was a that was we it. were waiting all week to talk about um <laughs> that i could wait but didn't want to yeah, wait. Did want to. <sighs> kind of sort of but didn't um, want to <laughs> i get it cool well ronald tell us about your pick again let's uh recap and then let's talk about it yeah how many k's did you watch it in oh you you, <laughs> you know you know i watched a special one so this is matthew robbins dragon slayer um 1981 a very special interesting movie because you know this is before you know heavy duty cgi so it, it has a lot of elements of practical effects which is really cool to see people touching tangible things you know what i mean people touching things and <laughs> beating up puppets yeah puppets and miniatures and, yeah, and miniatures and, 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 and like uh animatronic or hell something yeah man akin, akin to that yeah real fire around people like it's like you know it really feels lived in um so i i i've always heard about it and i heard that there was a special paramount released a special uh 4k that came out this year so i was like chomping at the bit because i'm like this is the perfect you know what's happening is all the all the companies, all the boutique companies are people our age that are like, you know what I would love yeah. to see yeah. look a little better. And never got the love. Yeah. 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 So um, let's give it the, let's give it its flowers. Yeah. Let's go. Hell yeah, man. So um I, I had the pleasure of seeing this in in the, you know, I guess the closest thing to a theatrical release that I could see it in. This was mm -hmm. like a, a an amazing DTS five point. Uh, 5.1 mix uh it was it was it was crazy looking to be honest and very loud very like i, I this is a lot meaner movie than i expected how do you guys feel about it it felt mean like it was like it, yeah. it felt like it should have been like a kid's movie but it is a mean movie I didn't really remember a lot of the movie. Like John had mentioned last episode, I remembered a couple, like couple sequences. 
mm-hmm. from when I watched it, like when I was a, a kid or younger. I don't know how old I was when I first saw it. But um, watching it again, like, you know, and kind of really having the perspective of where it is in, uh, as a Disney movie, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times, like, you know, Black Cauldron and some other Disney movies that came out in the 80s and maybe early 90s, like kind of got a little bit of a like, this is a darker Disney movie. Yeah. You know, this this is this is a pretty dark live action Disney movie, it you is. know, and uh, well, it's a co-production with Paramount and like Paramount is on the poster. <clears throat> Yeah, and, but I mean, like the first thing that comes up when you watch it is Disney. No, it's but well, you see the Disney name in there, but it also is yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, but I'm yeah. just saying that it's like it's not doesn't have like the Disney like castle. It's not a Disney movie in the way that say like the Black Cauldron is a Disney movie that is a full on Disney movie. But it is interesting. This is like one of two very strange, or at least I know Popeye was like the next co-production with Disney, and I, I don't know if it was oh, wow. the same studio. But I mean, those are both very weird movies. You know, like it's almost like. Um, I think it was Buena Vista uh, International that released them. But then in the States, it was all handled through Paramount. And that's how Disney kind of the American Disney arm kind of stayed away from, quote unquote, tarnishing the brand or or stepping outside of that safe for families kind of vein. You know, sense. this movie definitely is like a movie that um, <laughs> what was the thing recently that people were? Oh, I guess it's Guardians 3 that some people have been talking about how it's really not for kids like, you know. Yeah. And I think that this was a movie that had that conversation going around it in 81 of like people that thought, oh, yeah, it's kind of it'll be like a kid's adventure. And then you see it and it's like not not that it's necessarily for adults, but it definitely is not for little kids the way that the way that a straight Disney production would have seemed. Yeah. So what would you guys think about it? I mean, I thought I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's interesting. I think it's I think the most interesting piece for me watching it is just the reminder, like you'd already mentioned, Ronald, is, is it's kind of like you know it definitely gets respect for you know the like dragon work you know like this yeah yeah. the the practical effects and you know the the way they use like motion smoothing to capture the dragon in motion and you know it was something that was i mean it's crazy to think but like you know for that time and that era and like what it preceded you know was pretty revolutionary in, in a lot of different ways and the guy uh uh phil tippett who did yeah. this and he, he did like stuff with star Wars and whatnot, but like this, this go motion technology that, that they basically created and used in this movie, you know, it's kind of what led to a lot of other things that we saw in that period and researching it a little bit. It was crazy to me. And I feel like I saw this in that documentary about the production of uh Jurassic park, mm. but that, uh, that this technology initially when they were making Jurassic park or in pre-production on it, was what Spielberg was going to use for all the dinosaur scenes in Jurassic Park. And this is oh, all before wow. yeah, this is all before Dennis Moran who is the subject of the documentary that I'm referring to kind of like convinced him of the possibilities like with the computer effects that he was kind of mm. revolutionizing and pioneering at the time. But it's just kind of cool to think about, you know, the 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 dragon, the the the, the way that Vermithra- Vermithrax looks in this and like the motion and how it moves and the fire and just how mean and nasty and scary the dragon is it, it yeah. that is really what stands out to me um watching the movie i mean the performances are really fun yeah. i really do think that valerian and galen are great together you know those are really fun good performances yeah um but uh, yeah the, is really the, interesting the, as uh um what's his name ehrlich is that the the wizard the first one uh yeah who's on Ul- Ulrich I'm sorry Ulrich of Ulrich, yeah. the well, the what the guy who uh dies and comes back the, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just he had like an interesting odd like quality to him there's something <laughs> kind of funky about the tone and feel yeah. of this this movie the dark fantasy thing that they're doing it's not right. you know it's not quite full on fairy tale it definitely has like a different place um it reminds you of movies like legend or something like that where it's yeah. it's fantasy but with a literally dark like it's shadowy and kind of kind of scary it almost feels yeah. like a, a a fantasy horror blend at times <clears throat> i was really happy to see sydney bromley who was in never ending story he was the little elf in the, in the never ending story his voice is so distinct uh yeah. and as hodge he just has like this ornery soul to him you know it's like he's very like i don't want to go through this he's very very fiery i loved it um and his fate really made me sad but you know it's cool to see actors in these kind of 
fantasy driven movies. He he has a look to him that kind of makes you want to cast him in something back in the olden days. He has like a cool look to him. Oh, it's yeah. talking about sad fates. Um, the thing that I, the imagery I think I said last time, even that there was some stuff in this movie that really disturbed me when I was a kid, and I saw it on mm -hmm. HBO. Um, and now I can tell you, it's the the princesses. The 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 first scene. Uh, with the dragon with the princess who's chained up i remember like seeing when she's trying to get out and her wrists get all yeah. bloody that really stuck with me when i was a kid and then she seems like she might be about to get away and then she gets roasted by the dragon and that's yeah. pretty bad but then later uh princess elspeth when she's down in the cave like she she's trying to bravely sacrifice herself so that she isn't oh protected God. from the from being fed to the dragon like all yeah. the other uh times and uh you know when she goes down in there and, and like it's just like something that doesn't usually happen in this kind of movie is at that point in the movie for someone to have this fate that's like misguided heroism she goes into the cave to sort of sacrifice herself i guess she knew she might die or expected to die but what happens is the baby dragons get her and they're like picking her apart and like there's this really gory shot of one working on her ankle that's like completely feet, yeah the meat yeah. is gone from her ankle and the foot's still there and then in a couple shots later the little baby dragon chomps her foot off and has it in her mouth and it's just like a full-on like you know horror movie uh a uh, uh, prosthetic you know as yeah. far as like with the the blood and everything. It just, I remember that image so much and not just that it had that kind of violence in it or that kind of gore, but that you just, at that point for me, I would have been, you know, uh, uh, I guess I would have been eight when this movie came out. So I must've been nine or 10 or something when I saw it on television. I don't know that I'd seen that kind of violence thrown at like the pretty princess character yeah, yeah. <laughs> before I really was expecting them uh, to escape as an adult. I can see this is the kind of movie that shows you all these other people dying, yeah. you know, like the, so does the the priest that goes out there and tries to, you know, send him, send the dragon to hell or whatever he dies too. So in this movie, it's like, okay, not, none of the conventional none of the conventional characters are going to be at the center of this story. Um, there's no knights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, so I do think that like having the princesses go in this awful way is this kind of, uh, this is what makes it a dark fairy tale or dark fantasy. But I, yeah, seeing those scenes, I don't know if you've ever had that. I'm sure we all have those things you watch when you were a kid and you see them as an adult. And even though you can see them more for what they are now, it still has it, that memory never goes away of like, this is that part, you know, this is that yeah. part that used to like make me want to cover my eyes or like, I almost wish I could have unseen it, you know, when I yep. was a kid, her ankle getting chewed on. That's um, gross, man. Yeah. It was I, gruesome. I, I particularly hated anything bad happening to a pretty, pretty girls and pretty women when I was a kid. Like for some reason yeah. that really, I mean, I'm not saying it shouldn't rattle you, but I'm saying in particular when I was a kid, I was just like, what? can't do that you know yeah um but you know going to the effects and the gore there's like it's, the other side of the gore is when the dragon dies later and you see all of its flesh hanging out i mean that was like gruesome in a different way but it does <laughs> feel like as to what you were saying ronald they're trying to give this a little bit of reality or something like yeah. even though it's set in like a fantasy land it's sort of pupe it's like set the idea of it being like this is like a pre-christianity sort of taking over world yeah. and yeah. it's sort of the dark ages or whatever and i think that there is something kind of there is something interesting about that vibe that makes this movie that feels very much of its time in a lot of ways that makes it feel different from from a lot of things. Um, yeah. And you're talking, you're right. It is very loud. It's a weirdly loud movie. It's the score, movie. the score yeah. in particular, is like very intrusive. And it's yeah. not just like it's not like that kind of score that underscores the emotion of the scene. It's kind of the score that's just kind of doing its own thing. And it's just like yeah. you know, I think it's mimicking yeah. like medieval musical themes and stuff. But there's, it, I found that the score almost worked against the the grain of the movie. Like if this movie yeah. had a, a John Williams type score, I think it would feel very much more like what we're what we're comfortable with in this yeah. genre. The dragon's so mean. He's like plays with the people. Yeah. He like hesitates when he's about to strike. He he gives people this like. Oh, this chance, this little millisecond of a chance where you feel like you're going to get away and then it doubles down and does something crazy. It's just brutal. I was not expecting this dragon to be so damn brutal. Uh, but overall, yeah, I kind of feel the way that Steve feels like it. You know, it was pretty good. It's pretty good. It was fun. I think I'll watch it again at some point. I, th I thought that was this feels like something. Something about the beginning when they were coming to find the, the sorcerer just felt very like my speed. Just so he knocked on the door. Like, well, that scene Stop. is so weird. Like, you don't really know what you're watching no. when the guy comes in and he gets the knife and he it's like, I'll show you that I have magical powers. Yeah. And then he kills him. <laughs> <laughs> Thrust the, what, what was that? 
Well, I mean, I think that was a kind of like Jesus-y or Gandalf-y kind of thing where it's like, you strike me down, I'll come back later more powerful or something. Yes. But there is something very strange about that because you could see the movie that isn't going to bring him back and that just has him die in this kind of chump sort of fashion <laughs> very early in the movie. But it's the rhythms of it. I mean, it's a very weird... It's, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's hard for me to know. Is it just that storytelling techniques have changed or is this a little bit of an odd movie that's almost almost clicks you know what i mean it almost yeah. clicks and it but it doesn't quite and it therefore it feels interesting because it's odd yeah, but i wonder how sure. much like how much of the charm comes from the kind of janky <laughs> aspects of, of this movie but i will say also the visuals I, I don't know if the uh amazon version is the same 4k that you watched but it said 4k on some listing is. I found, yeah. and it looked, I, I mean, I'm not pretending, I'm not saying the effects looked like they were made today. I don't even care that much about this, but mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting to see a movie where the effects still look of their time, but the picture is as cleaned up as it can be. And so you get yeah. this very, there are, there, there are honestly some, some beautiful images in this movie. I thought like just a few yeah, scenes, like th them walking through the scenery, the colors, the mix, the, the old, the, the film grain, the old techniques, everything. I really appreciated it. There's other parts where it's like, oh, that looks fake as hell, but it still looks cool. Kind of to what you were saying, Ronald, all the different ways they achieve this, these dragon effects with, um, you know, between Phil Tippett and Dennis Murin and all the other techniques they were using. I think this is the first movie that ILM made that wasn't a Star Wars Mm. movie i think this is the first time right. they did yeah. effects for an outside movie or one of the first times and so it has that kind of state-of-the-art sort of effects that just like the star wars effects can sometimes look dated but they still look cool you know yeah. um i like seeing like a cleaned up film that's not modified like give me 100%. the crispest possible version of what it should have looked like back in the day yeah. um but don't don't feel like you have to go in and yeah. modernize the effects that's that's not necessary Old old stuff just looks better in 4K. Like it's it's no comparison. Like it's sharper. New stuff is sharper, but this stuff looks so good. Like it's just well, well they get the lighting right. Like there's a scene early on, and I don't know if it's like a dungeon or but the area where um the wizard was like meeting with the people at the very beginning. Yeah. And yeah. the camera kind of pulls out and it's like this dark dungeony place, and you can like see in the shadows, Everything, like this yeah. Yeah. it looked really good. I was like, I wonder if this would if I could I haven't seen a side by side, but I wonder if you had a side by side if this would look that scene like, was cool because shots like that would look dramatically better, you know. Because he's walking right. forward and setting all the light, he's like He's just right. like said all of these spells and it, i've never seen a shot like that before well also you can't tell if it's like supposed to be chicken. trickery or not at that part i was like is this guy a real wizard or is this trickery i mean i, I think it I was trickery because really really he just got yeah. stabbed in the stomach i mean <laughs> I but then he came back he, <laughs> come back he had some game <laughs> and then he became like a, a weapon of mass destruction he just kind of suicide bombed himself in the middle of the well i, I do the, love that like it's one of those movies where it, you know how the people say Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, if Indiana Jones hadn't done anything, the same things would have happened, like more or less. Um, <laughs> no, I and, and I don't really love that criticism because I feel like you can you can play that game with a lot of movies of yeah. like what really, but I do think it's funny that at the end of this, basically the guy he you know, it's the wizard dies, he's got the uh now um Peter McNichol has the amulet, so he's kind of the one with the magic now. Yeah. But it's like later when he does the heroic thing of like stopping the dragon, he still does it just when the wizard tells him to. So it's like all he's really there to do is like hold the rock up and smash the thing at the right time. He yeah. doesn't really have to. I guess he has some pretty brave fighting earlier, but I just he thought does. that was kind of an interesting thing of like if you were working this movie out now, you would probably have it so that the wizard wasn't there to help him at the moment when he needed it most yeah. because it does kind of feel like, oh, good thing he's around to follow instructions at the end <laughs> but um you know i still think it's um yeah it's i mean it's a it feels a little long just because of those uh early 80s pacing issues compared to what we expect today but i think it's got kind of a hypnotic quality to it um so sure. yeah I'm, i was i was i was very interested in watching it and then seeing it look all cleaned up definitely felt like okay this is worthy of this is like totally makes it worth putting on a movie after this many years to see it again was just seeing yeah, a, a, a fresh presentation of it. So Ronald, how do you feel about your choice? Was I'm glad I picked it. I'm yeah. so glad I picked it. It it was a fun ride. You know, it's it, like I said, a little more brutal than I was expecting. The baby dragons getting murdered. It's like what? Well, eating what is... a girl and then getting murdered. It's like, <laughs> boom, boom. This is awful. You know, Yeah, it's awful. But I would watch it again. I'm for sure watch it again. I appreciate that. What about you, Steve? Would you? Would you think? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked it. I mean, just it, it, 
it just it feels like a 1981 hell yeah dragon movie you know <laughs> but i can appreciate that knowing you know kind of Dude. that it's 40 plus years old you know you're like wow this is still pretty wow. entertaining for for that yeah 43 that yeah. time but yeah no for sure and also yeah seeing the special you know the the, the effects piece is really the, the big takeaway for me but no, it's cool. And I, and I actually Peter watched Nickel it on... occasionally looks like Jonathan Groff. Did anyone else notice that? There are certain angles that he gives Groff. Groff. Is it Groff or Groff? Mm. Groff. <clears throat> Jonathan Groff, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So is it my pick for next week? All right, cool. I, I have a movie that came out in 2020. Uh, this was the other big Mads Mikkelsen film of 2020 besides another round but this movie's called the riders of justice or oh. riders of justice the danish film uh it's kind of like a dark comedy revenge thriller oh. i had seen a ton about it towards the end of that year and it's always been on my watch list and i've never gotten around to seeing it um and for some reason watching some of the trailers for dial of destiny recently and seeing him Seeing a lot of people post about hannibal recently i was just like oh what was that mads film that i wanted to watch a few years ago I saw another round that year, which is, I think, you know, got a lot of the awards attention. But um, this was the other one that he had, which is, you know, uh, also was a big hit. And I think it was like one of the top grossing films in Denmark that year. Um, it is a Danish film. Uh, it is available on Hulu. If you want to watch along, mentioning Hulu earlier, while it's still its own platform, you can watch it on there. Uh, and yeah, just in the mood for some Mads. I'm a fan. Cool. So it's called Riders of Justice. Riders of Justice. Okay. I will for sure. I'm looking it up now. I'll for sure check this out. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's got pretty good reviews too. So I've uh, never even seen I've never heard of this. That's good. This is perfect. This is wonderful. Hell yeah, man. That's Thank a, you. So reason why we have this feature. <clears throat> yeah, right. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> cool. Very right, cool. So guys, talk to me about Evil Dead Rise. I'm gonna let you start with that, John. Okay. Um, this might be my favorite horror franchise. Wow, that's a good one. I mean, it's a good one. It's it's. Solid. I mean, it's like each time they do something that it's like the Mad Max of horror franchises. Yeah. In in a lot of ways, really, if you want to start forcing that comparison, <laughs> because it's got that similar thing of like now there's a new wave and we don't have the old guy in it. And that person yeah. did three of them. But I mean, like, I just think it's great that when they make an Evil Dead movie, the rules are not how do we tie this to the franchise? The rules are not how do we follow up the story of the last one? How do we push forward the mythology? How do we spin this off from the last whatever? It's it's more like how Excuse do we me. go dark and evil and scary yeah. and mean and violent? And the humor, there's a moment in this where something is being fed into like a wood chipper and someone's using a chainsaw to to do something else and there's so much blood and there's so much chaos and it's just so fucked up and it's so gross and so weird that i i laughed out loud in the theater yeah, it's it's at, at like a gory like this is this is that that this, this is gore you can laugh at it's not just gore you can laugh at it's gore that like rattles you into the state of like laughter is like the only acceptable response in a way so i just think that that's a cool cool style for a series to say like the, our, our our what ties these movies together is that we make we make it fucked up you know we make we go and we go for something that feels a little more visceral because these deadites that will you know what makes them different from demons and zombies and other movies and now so many things have kind of followed this mold that it's hard to separate it in some ways but i think the evil dead still has the corner on the market when it comes to or corner of the market when it comes to like the demon is possessing somebody and and using the memory of the person and using the image of the person and using the voice of the person in a really mean-spirited way to uh to like i'm about to kill you because you're possessed ronald and then it goes to your voice and it says john don't hurt me we're <laughs> friends yeah. you know like th the fact that it always has that tool in its toolbox uh that means just i don't know there's just something about that it, that's so that works on me every time the idea that you're that something's going to try to use sadness 
uh, against you and the tragedy of somebody dying, like someone's going to get possessed and they're still there and you're chopping them up because you're fighting them. But there's still some way in there you believe the person you loved is is there or their soul is in hell being tortured. You know, like that's the other yeah. thing that kind of comes up in these movies. And I also think the setup of the book and the the word, like how they get that in there. Just those little things that are what co combine these movies is that like these demons are summoned <clears> and somebody does something with the book and then they come and then the camera rushes up on somebody and you don't really see what they see, but you know that whatever then gets inside them is going to mess things up. It's just such a, it's a formula that just works. And I think that it, even though they've said they're going to try to make them more frequently now, um, I like the idea that this isn't a franchise that's trying to stay like at part of the conversation all the time, that when they come back and make one, it feels like there's a difference to it. And, you know, I think we're all big fans of the remake um, from 2013, was it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so, so it's like 10 years later, here comes another one that I think may have the rockiest sort of first half hour sort of start. Like it, it feels a little slow moving and the character setups are a little clumsy, but the performances are good. The, the, the photography is great. And once it kicks off, you know, Ronald, it's like once it's off, it's it's like, OK, now we are totally kicking off here. And and then it's like your idea of who might be safe and who might not be is pretty it's I don't know. They really play a lot with like who you expect to see awful things happen to and who you don't. Um, I don't know, Ronald, what about you? <clears throat> I know I don't know if you go back with this series quite as much as I do. Like this was one um, of my high school favorites back in the day. The first two. Yeah, um, I, I love the I love the first one. I need to I need to go back and watch Army of Darkness. I haven't seen it in a while. And I know that it just keeps like every couple years. It just keeps getting better looking and better looking. I know they, they like keep doing things to it. Um, but. 2013's uh evil dead is like one of my favorites of all time it, it it did something to me it had a lot to live up to and and i was trying to i was telling steve earlier i don't understand how the gap between the 2013 uh rotten tomato score which is like a 67 and this one which is like in the mid 80s which is strange to me because critically or critically critically okay. i didn't I look at the audience i should have looked at the audience but critically, um, who gives a fuck with those mouth breathers? Think, Ronald. Yeah, it's so weird. Uh, but I'll say this: um, I don't like it as much as I like the 2013 one. Mm -mm. But it's fun as shit. And the 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 problem is the the absurdity of the 2013 one, and the pacing was kind of cool. Like it had it had a story that kind of brought you into it, explained it really quickly, and then shit kind of kicked off. Like you were saying, this one has the roughest kind of way to go, you know, out of all the ones that I've seen, you know, out of all the evil deads, this one feels like it was doing too much in the beginning. It kind of maybe should have started right from wherever the, the primary location was. But the way that they tied it up in the end, I just could be seen as like, oh, that was the twist that, you know, you're watching something right. maybe out of context of when you think you're watching it, which is fucking awesome. But well, plus that cold open gives you maybe a little juice at the beginning that 100%. makes you a little more patient as you're sitting through that kind of somewhat awkward character setup, yeah, the stuff yeah. that they do. <clears throat> but yeah, that, that's the problem. I just, I just saw the, the, the 2013 one and it kind of like, I felt almost the same. And I watched this one and I was like, oh, but it was still solid. It still felt fun. And, and the things that they do towards the end, the third act that you speak of, they really make some choices. They make yeah. some choices. You will not. There's no way you can guess what's going to happen. <laughs> it's no even way. if you guess like who might be the main person, 100%. you can't guess who what's going to happen to the people around them. It can. There's, there's, no. there's one little detail that is so fun about that that I wouldn't spoil for anybody. But just there's a line or two that gets said in this movie that's all about like what the main character is trying to do. That is yeah. almost like a sick joke by the time you get to the end. Yes. If, if you know what I'm talking about, yeah, Ronald, oh, like what, like what, what yeah, they yeah. promise somebody, oh, and, and then yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, no way to keep that promise. <laughs> yeah. And then the there's a serious homage to another film, just like smack dab in the middle of the movie. Like that felt like I I liked it, but I maybe I need to watch it again to see how I feel about it. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know the, if I do. The elevator. But what what is that a reference to? Uh, well, uh, The Shining. 
Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I guess, I guess, I, I guess, I don't care about shiny. that. Like, like I, I think it fits the over the topness of this. But yes, it's definitely like okay. Now we've seen that happen in two movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like holy shit. Uh, but overall, I'd say it's a go ahead. But you know, it, 2013 is so fucking good. Right. Like this is this is not uh, as good as that. I can't recommend that this one over that one. But if you saw that one and you're like. Oh, well, this is a good one. This this feels a little more accessible in a way somehow. Like it's it's it's, it's almost like more formulaic. It's almost it like it's a more mediocre horror movie, and then this movie, then it turns into an Evil Dead movie. So you yeah. could almost view that as meta. But I don't think they were trying to be meta. I think it's really just that it's difficult to set up a whole new set of characters yeah. and not have it feel a little kind of forced in some ways. But I think the setup of the the remake from 2013, where it's like they're repeating the cabin setting, which mm. is great. Can't get better than that. Go to a cabin. There's a creepy book. There's a creepy recording. All that shit is perfect. Yeah. The other thing is it's got the setup of friends and one of the friends is, is a recovering addict and, yes. and no one trusts her. That's a beautiful setup for it's this type so of story good. where everybody's yeah. there for her, but they're also sort of big. They're like a little bit begrudging her. 100%. The, the, the new Hellraiser movie tried to play around with this idea too, of just like, what if yeah. you had a protagonist who no one is going to take fully at their word um but i do think that it's like i saw someone say um this is my least favorite evil dead movie but i i love them all kind of you know yeah, and, yeah. and and yeah this might be a strong like for me rather than a love but i think that what it does well no one else is doing and so i do kind of love like the the last 45 minutes or whatever of this movie i do love um yeah. as a movie i do think you're right ronald that it's hard to beat the 2013 model and the 2013 one is such a wonderful movie because it was hard to imagine a remake that made any sense the evil dead is so 100%. specific and it's so tied to bruce campbell's tone it's like there's no way to repeat that. I'm so yeah. glad they didn't try to. Um, and I'm really interested to see what they might be doing now because now there's a little talk about uh, supposedly Sam Raimi sent Bruce Campbell a picture of himself with um, the Jane Levy from from the remake, like photoshopped in that said "Hit the gym, Lardass." Um, oh. Wow. So I don't, you know, Bruce Campbell at least, you know, he likes to tease the fans about stuff. But uh, the idea that they yeah. might bring this franchise around into some kind of mega movie that really pays off everything they've been doing, um, they don't need to do that. But yeah. I love the idea of I them being that. able to play around with the mythology and say, well, this is an Ash movie and this is another freestanding one or whatever. You know, like bring it on, but yeah. still, I think space space them out, still make it special because that's part yeah. of the reason. I mean, I was hot to see this movie when it came out. You know, because yeah. an Evil Dead movie, even like the title card of this movie. In the theater it's a really yeah, cool it's... moment when the title oh, comes up God, that was so cool man it just feels good yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah man overall thought it was solid man just not not 2000 not our 2013 yeah. not our 2013 <laughs> um and since horror was just invented you know fairly recently I'm, i appreciate you guys Talking about Jordan Peele inventing the, the horror movie with the brains. genre, <laughs> along with the sci-fi genre. Oh yeah, yeah. I was talking about sci-fi. Sci-fi and horror. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was interesting. Like we were when, like just to kind of some transparency, like on our text thread when we were talking about, you know, it coming out on the digitally this week. Uh, I think I think John had mentioned like I don't know if that's like a good or a bad thing or right, right, yeah, right. or at least in terms of its performance. Yeah. Right. But it is this. It, it's like the new way of doing things. It's just the way that you know, like like you know, m like Mario Brother. Like that movie's gonna be out soon too. You know, and John Wick's coming out soon. These movies that make a ton of money. You know, they they come to digital or to to a demand or streaming platform <clears throat> so much quicker now because the windows have shrunken so much, and each each studio kind of does it their own way. But you know, the fact that last week, like, you know, we were able to mention like three movies that had come out on video on demand, you know, all within 17 to 24 days of its release, you know, and this, yeah. this is one, this is a movie, even that rise that like, wasn't even supposed to go to theaters, you know, this was supposed to be right. a HBO Max original streaming film that they were happy with and decided, no, this is a theatrical movie. And to John's comment, like this is a movie that was very successful. Like this is a movie that, you know, has crossed a hundred million dollars at the worldwide box office as of, you know, this past weekend. And it's still in theaters, you know, and it's on demand now because this is the kind of title that does do well, uh, you know, at home, you know, and, and they just have the opportunity to still kind of draft a little bit off of the marketing 
from the movie when it came out in theaters. And there's still, you know, there's lots of social media still going around about this film. So, you know, I, hopefully that, you know, they, they try to figure out a way to kind of capitalize on that. And it's cool to see a movie that is successful and still kind of coming out. This is kind of like a, there's a sweet spot where I feel like I fall with this topic where, you know, the movies are, I'm all, I'm, I'm still for like a theatrical option, yeah. you know, for, for any and all these films that were ever intended for it. And like, I'd prefer to always see a movie in theaters in most cases. Right. But I just feel like it's just, a, it's a nice, it's a nice middle ground. It feels like where a movie has a chance to run, has a chance to really kind of build word of mouth and, and have some legs at the theater and then kind of make its way over to home, you know, and, and really kind of, capitalize on that word of mouth and that goodwill and the success and on the other side of it if a movie is not performing or underperforming it still is the same kind of action is that okay well even if it's not really reaching the audience you know it, there's still uh, an opportunity for us to kind of capitalize or leverage or kind of you know take advantage of that marketing that is still in and around the real world and the digital world the social platforms and social media that may still like allow a movie to find another life, you know, another opportunity to be successful, uh, you know, at home. So I think it's cool. It's like, it's such, it's so interesting to me to see, you know, this, this ever changing uh, window, you know, from studio to studio or just movie to movie, really just depending on how well yeah. <clears throat> to see how, you know, how well it does. It just, it's really, it's exciting. And I think like even how bad I want to see this in theaters you know, I didn't, I have not had the opportunity, but it does really make me happy that like, okay, well I can, I have a nice setup at my house. Yeah. yeah. I can watch it home now if I want to. And I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sure I'll, I'll probably enjoy it as much. So yeah. yeah. Um, I saw one of those PVOD movies, speaking of which, a very, uh, are we one? getting into the things we've, we've seen? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What else? What else? What did you watch? Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Oh yeah. 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 How was it? It was incredible. I've heard nothing but like great was, things about this movie. You know, I'm not like a huge war movie guy, man. Like yeah. you, you know, I don't. Whenever they come up, I don't see them very often. But Dar Salim uh, and um, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jakey boy, Jakey, those two together. I was like, I'm not a big war guy. I'm not a big war guy, but I'm a big Jakey guy. I will watch anything he's <laughs> in, man. It, it, it's it's cool all of it. Give it all to me. You know, he's he kind of meets this this interpreter he's a little older than the other interpreters he's he, he's a smart ass and jake is yeah. like i like this guy so how does guy richie make so, so many movies i don't know man like i think he needs to stop pumping him out I, baby. I was gonna say that man he's he he's in a conversation to me he's well, always been in a conversation but is it just like was if we looked would we see there was like two years where he didn't make a movie or something I don't and know he was actually making is. like an extra movie that got you know because it does seem like the last couple years it's been like every six months Non-stop. there's a new uh Sometimes. He's just make, he, he, he's making up for all the time he was off the charts with uh, making Aladdin and King Arthur. <laughs> That's kind of what I mean, though. It's like maybe yeah, that is no, it. Totally. Is it like, yeah, yeah, he's like he's got he's he's what Jamaican, it, yeah. I guess, the movies yeah, that, that, that he or the way he wants to make them, if anything, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's got like it's weird that he's got such a style. And then he also has this kind of journeyman director career, you know, like. It's an interesting career. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't suggest that we necessarily ever would need to nest, like look at every movie he's made, but like I do think his he's got one of those careers that's an interesting one to to look at because there's clearly the sort of movies he makes that are that are his type of movie, and then there's the type of kind of work for hire, you know, more blockbuster type movie. Yeah. Like this just did not the previews for this it did not look or feel like a Guy Ritchie movie to me. Is the movie itself a little bit more stylized, Ronald, than the than the no. trailers would indicate? No, no, just, it's it's like. You know, one thing that he does well is he films the action really well, but you wouldn't know this was a Guy Ritchie thing. There's no like, oh, here's what I'm going to do. You know, like they got a pan around. Like a title card with like a <laughs> yeah. cool freeze frame and the person's name comes up. There's literally none of that. It's crazy. There's no like signature. It's just the action scenes are filmed so well. And, you know, one thing that I think that Guy Ritchie does really well is he can really map out conflict very well. So it's a really complex idea, like an interpreter kind of helping and what they represent and mm-hmm. some of the dangers that an interpreter, because he's 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 considered a traitor, you know, wherever he goes, he's like, you're working with the states. Like, how are you doing this? But they explain that in such a cool way 
Um, and they really make it very clear how that this guy is like it, this isn't a white savior movie because the 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 interpreter saves Jake Gyllenhaal first, and then he has to save him. But when he saves him, there's just like so much heart in it. When they first reunite after it, it you know that, that he's he's been yeah where he is. Like there's this moment where they're like they're just kind of staring at each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like this bromance that should not be as like emotional as it is or like as touching as it is because i've seen versions of this movie that i haven't really enjoyed but guy Ritchie knows how to do the the action simplicity of the story because you know complex espionage he simplified the shit out of the story anybody could watch this thing and understand what's going on which is really cool and then the heart man he just he captures that somehow and it's a simple movie. The budget was only like fifty-five million, and I think that this is just going to do really well once it comes onto, you know, it's on Pvod. But once yeah. it goes to like a streamer or something, people are going to lose their minds over this movie because it gives you a yeah, lot of perspective on all all sides. Yeah, and I mean that that's I think that's a good example of like, like the other side of what I was describing before, yeah. where you know this. I think it came out the twentieth or the twenty-first of April. So, you know, that was one that was, you know, same difference. I mean, it was one PVI within two, three weeks, you know, yeah. and it's because, yeah, it was only 55 million. It's like one of those mid, you know, 30 to 50, 30 to 60 that we don't see a whole lot of. But right. sadly, this is why, because it's only made 15 million worldwide. Like it was a, yeah. a big, big under underperformed. But you're right. I think it does seem like the kind of movie that that could find an audience on on demand and ultimately wherever wherever it ends up on streaming you know it does seem like the kind of movie that would you know pop up on the top chart or something like that eventually yeah um no cool way i'm looking forward to that one i've i've heard good things and yeah i i really do think jake is like one of my favorite actors like he is one of the ones that i would see in everything that he does um yeah i don't know i, I just yeah I, and, and the trailer for this one i thought was really good too so i was excited to see this one yeah um I wanted to mention a movie I saw called The Artifice Girl. Have I, either of you heard of this? Mm-mm. It's like a direct, uh, you know, Pivod or, you know, uh, small indie film. The only real name in it that most people would probably recognize is uh, Lance Hendrickson is in a little bit of it. Um, but this is a kind of sci-fi thought-provoking kind of drama um, okay. about the way in which like a government agency is able to use a to use AI or use, you know, a, a new computer platform or program okay. to to find and and apprehend like online predators. Mm. And the movie is really the movie's great. I mean, I, I highly recommend this is a movie that nobody knows, you know, it's it popped up on a, a newsletter that I get weekly and someone was raving about it. And I, I found it and, and checked it out and I thought it was great, but it's um, written and directed and stars um, this guy named Franklin Rich, who hasn't really done much else. And I'm curious whatever he has coming up next, because this was a really interesting movie. He, he plays um, Gareth, who is like the, the guy who creates this computer program um, that basically is. It kind of it's funny how they introduce it in the movie because they kind of introduce it in a way that is like um, it, it references like how he used to work for like Star Wars and in, in the character in the movie. Oh, wow. And, and like he did like CG and like his specialty was, you know, the characters that are kind of the questionable ones, like characters that have died in real life that they use like image capture and footage to like recreate a person in a film like something like you know carrie fisher or um uh peter cushing or or no not is it peter cushing that they did in rogue one anybody john oh yes yes rogue one it was peter cushing who they they right right so like they they frame this around that that's what that guy did like that was his like, like a completely okay. synthetic uh, recreation yes. of an actor who who we, whose face we know exactly. really well and and filming exactly. it like it's a it's a just an actor in the movie like not trying to hide precisely it. <clears throat> and and kind of what he does is that he somehow creates this 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 computer program 
that is fully digital, but it's like a person. It looks like a it looks like a girl. It looks like a kid. Oh, it's wow. basically in these online forums, these chat rooms, baiting these predators that they then turn over to like a government agency. Wow. To like, like to catch them. a predator the next exactly. level because there's not exactly. even the, the person that they have posing. Right. And I mean, it's kind of crazy like when they get into how the AI works and everything, but just because I like sci-fi, you know, obviously when, like Ron just said, we appreciate that it was recently created. And I know I it's one of the freshest it, genres around. Give it, <laughs> give it its, give it its attention um, now. But yeah, I don't know. Just the way they frame this this new technology in this movie, and it's also told really interesting because like the movie is told in three chapters that take place over oh, wow. over decades. You know, basically a chapter where in which we learn about what's been created and how they plan to use it. And there's a chapter that's talking about you know how it's progressed and how it's changed in ways that they never foresaw and ways that they can't control. And and in the future, you know, the third chapter is kind of like the future and it's progressed even more. And like our main character is in his, you know, seventies, eighties. And it's like at the end of his life, it's just a really, really cool little movie that really kind of reminded me a little bit of like a David Fincher type, uh, the way it's made, it kind of has a Fincher tone and look and vibe to it. The dialogue, the dialogue is really great. And it's, it's a lot of talking, but um, the subject matter is really interesting. And just the world that we're in now, and, and especially the, you know the, the relevance of what AI is doing yeah. doing in so many different areas. Um, wow! Yeah, this is this is just a movie I wanted to mention because again, I don't I had never heard of it, and I saw the box art for it and like one of the one of the like release calendars that I'd seen, and then when it was in the newsletter, it was like I referenced it. I was like, oh, I saw that, and the guy reviewed it and he loved it, and so I was like, okay, I, I got to find it and look at it. So, um, yeah, it's on all the VOD platforms, and again, it's called the Artifice Girl. Um, I, 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 when, when you said the name the first time on my Zoom call, it was a little crackly. So mm -hmm. I was checking. Did he say the Artifice Girl? And I looked on uh, Lance Hendrickson's uh, Lance Hendrickson's Wikipedia yeah. to find the movie. Scrolling down through his filmography, it's crazy. This guy's never stopped working at all. It's crazy. He's got like three things in the four four things in the can that haven't come out yet. I mean, not that it surprises me. He's yeah. one of those guys who pops up in a lot of stuff, and he does a lot of like cable and low budget type stuff but it still was interesting to realize man you know if you wonder where he's been you just haven't been paying attention because he's he's he has not stopped being in it's wild yeah and, I mean, and, he's, a year. And, and he's in like a and he's in like one of the chapters but he's like the the, the really kind of the anchor of the final chapter of this movie and sounds really uh, interesting he, he's, he's really good in it he's really good the movie's great i mean it's kind of like out of nowhere like i, I know i raved last episode about how to blow up a pipeline but like literally I watched this like the day after we recorded and I was like, mm -hmm. wow, this movie is going to is like one of the better movies I feel like I've watched this year um, oh, wow. just because I honestly it's because I had no awareness of it and I had no expectation of it. Yeah. And it's yes, one of those things I'm just that. like I hit play. I sit back. I'm like, I have no idea what this is even about <laughs> beyond what I read in the review and like kind of what this this reviewer critic thought. And I didn't even watch the trailer. I just hit play. I saw his name. I was like, oh, cool. At least somebody. And But the rest of the people I did not recognize. Um, but it's very thought provoking. It's just, you know, it's like just technology in the future and is the future now. And, you know, I, it's just, it's, it's a really, really cool little movie. And I think, uh, I think you guys should check it out. Cool. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm going to definitely check that out. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I think you would like it a lot. Cool. cool. Anything else you guys have uh, watched or started watching or. I feel like next week there's going to be a lot more. There's movies that I sort of queued up. Oh, that's out. Oh, I want to check this out. I still yeah, want to yeah. see a couple things you recommended last time, Steve, but I had not been able to watch much in the way of movies this last week. What we did is uh, we're, we're all caught up on our shows. So we've we've caught up on all the Dave that's out there to offer. Um, I forget uh, Barry we've been talking about. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, that's where I've been mostly uh, outside of the required stuff is just trying to keep abreast of all the television shows. And those those seasons have both been really strong uh, so far, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah um all right cool well uh next week hopefully i don't know we're, we're trying to plan it out now but hopefully we all may try to attend the the fast x fast 10 <laughs> advanced screening if it works yes. out or at least some combination of us will we'll see that movie in, in time to be able to talk about it on the podcast next week um as it comes out next friday um this is the second to last fast movie uh <laughs> as they've said you think but, this uh, one's finally going to get into the subject of family I feel like they've been they've been teasing it, it for nine other movies. So hopefully yeah. we finally uh, see what it's all about. 
and something. Um, but uh, besides that, you know, don't again to mention the the Riders of Justice was my pick for required viewing, and again, that's <clears throat> excuse me, that's on Hulu. If you want to watch that as well, because like I said at the top, it's not required for the listeners, but it is recommended and it would be nice. I predict that whatever the quality of that movie is next week is going to be a Mads Mikkelsen love fest. We're all going to come in here with little hearts in our eyes from watching a Mads Mikkelsen movie. <laughs> I love that guy. I love that he's, guy so he's, much. He's too, like, man. he's so versatile. He's great, man. He's, he's so versatile good and he's, he's who you'd so, want him to be in interviews and yeah. stuff too. You know, he like, yeah. And if anything I said about that movie didn't hook you, he's got a monster beard in it, and he looks incredible. <laughs> so that if that doesn't put you over the top, I don't know what will. <clears throat> this is a beard but, uh, positive yeah. show. People, can, if people Obviously, that watch the yeah. video version know yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Heck yeah, yeah. It, it, it's one that I admire and and strive to reach, but I, only Mads can do it, not me. <laughs> um. All right. Cool. Well, that'll be the episode of MovieSmovie.com. It's the website YouTube.com/slash MovieSmovie Podcast going to do that video element that john just mentioned you make sure you subscribe hit the bell to get notifications when the new episodes come out there as well and if you do either follow on youtube subscribe on youtube subscribe follow and any audio version of this podcast um, if you can please leave a review or a rating or or share it with a friend um or or an enemy i don't know it doesn't matter uh just share it in general that yeah, would, you, if you hate somebody great. and you hate this show <laughs> yeah just just at least pair us up maybe we have a chance make, make them watch person. it <laughs> yeah yeah there it is um all right cool well good seeing you guys and uh we'll see you next week and as always you made our day thanks bye